0: Here to discuss all things, NRL, AFL, and anything sports related. Please give a warm Aussie G'day to the Footy Fanatic and America's own Corey Jackson in Outside the Sheds. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Outside the Sheds. A time and a moment when we can come together as one, talk out, talk. About our grievances, our problems, our debates with the world, why people think liberals bleed, why people think the Republicans are old and staunchy. Okay, I can see the second. Anyway, welcome, Shed Heads, to another episode of Outside the Sheds. I uh, I am happy to be here. I am your host, Corey Jackson, your Shed Adamus, here to take you on this deluxe cruise. Of the NRL and AFL and anything that matters in the world of sport. That's right. Your cruise director. I am like Stubing, Gopher, and Isaac rolled up in one package. Which makes me the rainbow coalition of greatness, if you ask me. But I don't want to go on about your Shed Adamas any more than I have to. Your Shed Adamas, who did, once again, pretty darn well. Uh, going five for eight for the picks, uh, for the NRL and, you know, breaking about even with the AFL, but, uh, what an incredible round. And I want to talk to you a little bit about Anzac day and Anzac round here in a second, but let's go into the matches that made up Anzac round and we'll start with the Sharks and the Seagulls. It started off on Thursday night, 34, 32 Sharkies, uh, shock, pock rocking, uh, an incredible first-hand performance by the Sharks, turning into a total second-half great performance by the Sea Eagles. It's just the Sea Eagles just left too much of a hole. Uh, they let they let the Shockies get too far out in front, and there was no coming back from that. And that and that's what happened. That's how that one turned out. But the Sharks, again, showing even without Dale Finucane, that they are definitely a team to watch. A team that will be there in the end, in my belief. Broncos 34, Bulldogs 14. Is this the end, the beginning of the end for Trent Barrett? We'll talk about Trent here soon. Uh, But the little general, Adam Reynolds, coming out there and starting to do the things that they brought him up to Brisbane for. Looking good in the victory. Cowboys 30, Titans 4. The Cows proving that they are a serious contender to make the top 8. The Titans... The, the, the dream Cinderella pick for everybody who knows anything about rugby league. Really starting to circle the drain. And you start to wonder, and I can't believe I'm going to say this, is there now pressure on Justin Holbrook to turn this club, to turn this team, to get everybody on board? Um, because I don't want to say he's losing the team, but the team is not showing performances uh, that anybody was expecting them to. That is really uh, something we'll have to keep our eye up there on up at the Gold Coast because I really think the Titans, they might be setting out an SOS beacon sooner than later, Shedheads. Tigers 23, Rabbitohs 22. We're going to start calling this the Madge-McGuire hair-growing session because with all the stress and strain the Madge is coming back, that, that, that willow's peak has gone back. The hair started to disappear a little bit. Heck, Madge even grew a gigantic uh, rusty beard there for a little bit, if you guys remember last season. Uh, none of it worked. But I think what we've seen is, and Madge has never been my favorite coach. I'll admit that. You guys have heard me uh, you know, take him to task here. But uh, he's becoming more likable. And I know that I'm an outsider looking in. I know I'm just the, the, the Sheds conductor, conductor, conductor too. But I, I, you find yourself watching his his exuberation, his exuberance inside the box I said exuberation, his exuberance inside the box. A guy that you know what? If if the season, if he loses the rest of the season and they don't win another game, Madge is gonna say he had two weeks that he felt on top of the world. And the Tigers have played that well. So again. The Tigers 23-22 over the Rabbitohs. Eels 39, Knights 2. What a way for the pale, the Kalen Ponga signing to galvanize the Knights. To shine the armor. To get them ready for a a, a Jihad. A, just a, a, let's go out there and do... Yeah, no. That's not what happened at all. The Paramount of Eels came out there. Took them behind the woodshed. Throttled them a bunch then made sure they were breathing and throttling a little bit more. Um, I, I don't know what's going on in Newcastle. I know that Andrew Johns was brought there to help that offense fire and to make them attack. Their attack looked you know, so much better, and we're not seeing those results. And I don't know. Kalen Ponga looked okay, not this previous week, but the week before Anzac round, and he did not have any of that brilliance again this week. Panthers 36, Raiders 6. I thought that it was a Raiders home game. For as, as as great as that Viking clap was in the crowd, boy, there's going to be some there's going to be some comeuppance for that in the future. It may not be this season, but the camera fans are not going to ever forget the Panthers doing the Viking clap in mockery of the Green Machine, uh, and you just wonder. What more can 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 Sticky do? What more can he say? I don't want to say he's lost the locker room, but this just is not this is just not a, a Ricky Stewart type team right now, and I'm wondering what he's going to do to fix that. To me, one of the shockers of the round: Dragons 14, Roosters 12 on Anzac Day. I think what that proved to me was that on Anzac Day anything's possible, and the Dragons showed it. Uh, Jack Bird may have broken his arm. But even though he's listed to play this coming week, but uh, just all heart. And I got to tell you something, the Roosters had plenty of times to win that match. They just couldn't come over the top. And then finally, maybe one of the most, I'm going to say it, embarrassing performances on Anzac Day. Storm 70, Warriors 10. A game that was somewhat close at halftime turned into a freight train running over a Kia in the second half. Embarrassing. Embarrassing. And I and I hate to say that because all these guys are out there putting their bodies on the line. All these guys are out there trying to do what's best for everybody. But I will tell you, I will tell you, I will tell you, you cannot allow 70 points to be scored against you or on you or whatever you want to say on Anzac Day. You just can't. You just can't. And I think that that is not like any 70 to 10 loss. Uh, that you're going to experience doing that on Anzac Day. That is that is something that is going to last. It, that could be the, the the final nail in the coffin, unfortunately, for Nathan Brown. And I, I have no problem with Brownie. Uh, I don't know if he's the guy that I would have coaching the Warriors. But that could be the, the moment where they point back to saying that was the beginning of the end for Nathan Brown. So I want to start off by talking about, uh, as we go into the 40-20 and in more depth, about Anzac Day. And Anzac Day and Anzac Round to me to me is the most special round weekend in professional sports to me. I don't I cannot I don't get over after after 12 years of watching the game how this round still strikes home and and I'm not even a kiwi or an Aussie, right? But the amount the immense sense of pride that I feel uh, for each one of those ceremonies uh, before the games and and um, the rouse. I just it, it, it strikes home with me. I will tell you shed heads. I, I I usually shed a tear when the rouse is being played um, and I and I and we try to do it that way over here in America or the divided States by having our military appreciation right? And I almost get the sense and that feeling that the reason they do that round is for a bunch of guys to buy Dallas cowboy gear with camouflage on it right It doesn't have the meaning of what Anzac round is or an Anzac day is and we do have memorial day and 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 Veterans Day and all that type of stuff but it doesn't it doesn't get pulled off the way that they do it and there's not you know you don't see a bunch of veterans out on the field with medals and 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 there's just it's special, it is special, and I don't I don't know if the people in Australia and New Zealand understand how special it is and how we notice it around the world. I'll, I'll tell you one of my favorite and most prized collections that I have are my Anzac jerseys from different clubs, uh, not just NRL but AFL. I've got Anzac jerseys from clubs in the AFL as well. Uh, it's just to me something that I I hold dear, and it's it's not even my country. Uh, It's just special in the way that both the AFL and especially the NRL uh, do it. And I know the Dons and and the Pies have an incredible match on Anzac Tay as well. um, That once again was another barn burner, which we'll talk about when we go on the mark. But uh, awesome round. And I just wanted to talk about a little bit more, give it a little bit more shine and say how much I notice the importance and what it really, really does. Now, I talked about the Tigers a little bit brief, a little bit earlier, but this is two weeks in a row for the Tigers. Two weeks in a row we've seen them show heart, belief, and capture two scalps of two teams that I think a lot of people think are going to be there in the end. Now, this week's going to be big because if they can win three weeks in a row, the Tigers would be now at, what, three and five, I think? And that will tell me something that they can still make the top eight. And I'm not going out and, and, and raising that flag yet and saying that you know everything is gone. But I will say, if you want to know the importance of a good quarterback when you're talking about football or American football, gridiron, whatever you want to say, and having a good halfback for a rugby league side, I think we're watching it right now. We talked about Jackson Hastings last week, but Jackson Hastings put Luke Brooks in position to kick that 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 field goal to win the game to beat the the, the, the toes. That was Jackson Hastings. He tried it earlier, missed two and just sensed that this isn't my day. This is not my day. He gets Luke, he gets Brooksie in position, has the ball fired back to him, when he knows it's the right time and Brooks and Brooks lights it. And you have to be excited for Luke Brooks as well. I'm saying Luke Brooks in just a matter of two weeks, looks like a totally different player. He looks like a guy that everyone had been talking about. I'm not going to say the next Andrew Johns, like some people were saying, but he looks like a guy that's enjoying his footy. He looks like a guy that's ready to take on the line. He looks like he's ready to use his legs when possible uh, and to run, which everyone was saying before, Brooksie needs to run, Brooksy needs to run. He's running now. And I think what we, we forget is just because a kid is supposed to be a prodigy that doesn't mean that he's supposed to be a leader. He may just be the most accurate marksman in your unit. But it doesn't mean that he's a lieutenant of your unit. He's just got the best gun of your unit. He's just got the best accuracy on your unit. And I think that's what Brooksie is. Everyone will tell you Luke Brooks is a quiet young man. And I've always said that there's there are leaders that can lead by not saying anything. But they're always the guy that just wins it or takes over. Or leads by everything on the field. That's also not Luke Brooks. He's kind of that that little genius that's out there that can put some incredible stuff together. But he's not going to be that guy that lifts his team. His play can be great, but even then, you don't see. Boy, Brooks. Bro- Brooks has been incredible. Brooks has taken over the game. No. But he is a great great 58, I think. I think he could be really really special in this position, especially if Jackson Hastings stays his halfback. But he, he has it's, it's night and day watching this Tigers team now that, that that Hastings is the halfback. They're playing with direction, they're playing with purpose. They seem like they don't even seem like the team that was about, but probably around away from getting Maj fired. And I don't know if Madge has a, a clause to sign away half his contract or half his salary to Jackson Hastings, but he should because he has changed the fortune to the West Tigers. It's probably the most excited Tigers fans have been for years. And it's only been two rounds, right? Two rounds. So I think, I think that there is something really special about ready to happen with the Tigers, and it's because they finally have a leader. Uh, I know that it's it's fascinating to say that the Jackson Hastings is not a captain on the team, but I think that is a yet because I think that he is the captain of the team. I think by every means that he's the guy that runs the train. He's the guy that is the coal. He is the engine of the locomotive. And, and as long as you have that and as long as you know it and as long as Jackson Hastings stays healthy, I think the Tigers could possibly make the eight. I know that's crazy to say. I'm saying we were, like I said, a week away from probably having a new coach coming to the Tigers. But they're special now. They've got something going. And even though now that Dane is going to be out four to six weeks in the fullback position, I do think the Tigers really have a good chance of beating St. George this weekend. And then I think it's up in the air. I think it all depends then the next the next week when it gets really nasty and they take on Manly, uh, what really happens for both clubs personally. Uh, so, sh- now, I want to go back a little bit. I want to kind of go back to the era and the time when I was first getting into the, the game. And I want to talk about the 2011 season. The 2011 season, two guys hit the ground running. And that was Sean Johnson and that was Daly Cherry Evans. And, you know, let the fates be that both of them ended up guiding their clubs to the grand final. And meeting. Getting giving DCE his first and only so far championship, played for another against the Roosters in 2013. But I think a lot of people were thinking that this was the future of the game, that we were going to see Sean Johnson and DCE probably hook up a couple other times in grand finals, that the Warriors now had the best chance they probably have ever had before to winning you know, a a, a grand final and, and winning the championship and the premiership and all that. And it's really strange to me the trajectory of both of these guys. Because Johnson's always been the more dynamic and, you know, the quick twitch muscles and, and has him in there. And DCE has always had a lot of... He's just been able to lead a team around the park, right? He's always been just that guy. He, he just... He's never going to be the most blistering and the fastest guy out there, but he just puts himself in good positions. He kicks well, one of the best kickers in the game, all that. And it is crazy how both of these guys' stars have gone the opposite direction. When I think a lot of people thought Sean was going to be there and going to be that maybe the new face of the NRL, he's just never lived up to that. And besides the World Cup when he he he, he marched um uh, you know he, he marched the Kiwis to to a, a a a World Cup final, making the run on the last play of the game against against England. That's about it. I'm saying he's just he's breaking down now all the time now. I'm saying now he's back with the Warriors. He's back where a lot of people think that he should have never left. He should have never gone to Cornelis, some people feel. He's back there, but he's back there coming off another injury. And then you look at DCE. Daily Cherry Evans, I can't remember him missing more than one week because of injury. He's a solid player. He's always in the middle of tackles, so he's not running away from responsibility. He's now played for both the Kangaroos. He's now the captain of the Maroons for State of Origin. He really single-handedly has shown this season with Turbo going down that DCE was not going to let Manly fall off like they had before in the past when Turbo's gone down. He's refused to let that happen. Kieran Foran has also lifted his game and and has definitely helped. And we know that not one person can single-handedly just carry an entire team but one man can make an entire team lift their level to play but it I had been thinking about this all week during Anzac Day especially when uh I watched that that dismal performance by the Warriors and how Sean Johnson just kind of disappeared like when you start looking for an all-star and you forget that they're out on the field that tells you all you need to know and I lost total track of where Sean Johnson was at. And for a guy that I back in the day thought that he was one of the best players I'd ever seen, and that probably still hasn't changed, he does have freakish ability. But he has freakish ability one week and then seems to forget about his frequent you know, his freakish ability the next week. And a lot of times that happens when the biggest stage when he's on the biggest stage. So I I really wanted to kind of bring back two key, I think, players in in the game, these two guys, and how their stars have just totally gone in different directions uh, and where they're at right now. And I think that's just something something really kind of cool and fascinating to watch and, and to see how DCE, to me, is only getting stronger. And now they're – and Sean John Johnson's talking about it. And hopefully he has a couple good years left to play footy. So uh, going to be a very, very telling – year to me for sean johnson even more than dc because like i said dc has put his, his 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 flag in the sand um but we'll have to see but something i wanted to get definitely bring to the forty twenty this week is that uh deep dive into these two guys and and how they came up together and where they're both at now well are we planning on having a grand final in vegas anytime in the near future anyone 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 because word is breaking now that the NRL is going to maybe start accepting offers about the possibility of different places hosting the grand final and we always know when that starts happening that Brisbane's going to be right there because i think Brisbane thinks that they're the home of rugby league and Brisbane feels that the grand final probably should be played uh, up at Suncorp every year we know that that New South Wales would never let that happen if they could control that but some people say this is just a big ploy for the NRL to get the money they want from Sydney to keep the grand final there. I don't know. But I know that this is picking up steam. And I also know that it's picking up steam that the NRL is talking about bringing their game other places. And I don't know if they're talking about Los Angeles. I don't know if they're talking about Bali. I, I don't know where they're actually talking about. But I do know that they want to make the game a more international game. Because, you know, they are playing Super League over in England. So it's not like Australia is the only place. New Zealand is the only two places that play rugby league. But I think we might possibly be seeing a little bit of a shift from just a Sydney Grand Final year after year after year. And I think it'll be, um, it's going to be something to, to keep an eye on. Because they're not even saying it's in stone this year that the Grand Final is going to be in Sydney. So if it does move up to Brisbane, what what kind of fish does that open up? Is this now going to just become a year you know year after year bidding war? So, heads, stay tuned to that story because I have a feeling we're going to be following up on that in the near future. Now let's go into some picks. Let's go into some picks uh, for this upcoming round. We're starting off the round this week tonight uh, or this morning, whatever you want to say, or tomorrow morning, I guess, whatever we should say. Sharks versus the Broncos. I've got the Sharkies 100%. I think that uh, Dale Finucane is going to be back. Uh, I, I think the Sharks are going to take it to the Brisbane Broncos tonight. Friday, Panthers versus the Titans. I already see Justin Holbrook's face getting red as we speak about this, but I think the Panthers continue to roll. I do think we'll see a more spirited effort by the Gold Coast Titans, but the Panthers will keep that streak alive. Sea Eagles versus the Rabbitoes. I just got in talking for five minutes on Daily Cherry Evans. That's not going to change. I have the Manly Sea Eagles uh, beating the Rabbitoes on Friday, Saturday. We have start off with the Raiders versus the Warriors, a match that both teams have to win. This isn't a matter of you know just saying that to make people tune in to watch it. No, shedheads. This is real. This is a match to watch that both teams have to win. They have to find a way. Because I do feel that the loser of this season is lost. And I know we've got a lot of rounds left, blah, blah, blah. But I think these two teams are going to lose touch of the top eight. Whoever loses this is going to really lose touch with the top eight. Uh, So this is going to be one to watch. And I've got the Warriors coming out on top of the green machine. Roosters versus the Bulldogs. You know the Chooks have a lot to prove after that performance they had on Anzac Day. Uh, and the Bulldogs, well, they're in total strife after Gus Gould allegedly took over training after, after giving Kyle Flanagan 60 lashes. Uh, it's going to be a really telling match again for the Bulldogs of what that actually does to fire them up. But I got the Chookies winning that. Cowboys versus the Eagles. This, to me, possibly is the match of the round. Um, and I think that this is going to be our barometer check to see where the Cowboys actually are. Are they truthfully a top eight seed? And I think they are. I've got the Cowboys beating the Eagles. Then we have the Storm versus the Knights. Do I really need to talk about this long? Storm all day. And then Sunday, another possible match i think the cowboys and the eels and the tigers versus the dragons one of those two will be the matches of the round and i have jackson hastings and the tigers coming up on top of a saint george team that we don't even know who their five eighth is going to be even though jack bird has been named in the side he's still going off for scans to possibly see if his arm is really able to be played or not broken and that comes to a close, our Rugby League, our NRL talk for the week. So let's go to on the mark. Let's do a quick dummy and go to on the mark. Uh, like I said, we went, we went five for nine over here. So we didn't do too, too bad. We had a couple games that kind of got away from us. But starting it off, Saints 77, Giants 60. Uh, Toby Green's comeback did not make that much of a difference. And the Saints are five on a trot right now. Uh, rolling down the track. Crows 63, Bulldogs 62. Uh, Bottle Rat got themselves a game. Tex Walker sealing the deal uh, with a late kick with two minutes to go to take the Crows and keep them in the winner's column. Power 117, Eagles 33. Power, do I need to say anything more but one word? Finally. Dockers 97, Blues 62. I. Th- this is the game that makes the Dockers a true flag contender for me. I think this was the one that really puts them on the map of being a real heavyweight uh, for the rest of the competition. Cats, 121. Ruse, 61. The dismal Ruse just get pounded. That's all you can say there. Lions, 132. Suns, 80. The King of the Pride resides in Brisbane. Uh, the Lions seem to be, how should I say, be putting all the right ingredients together that could see them make another late push. Demons 76, Tigers 54, Demons, Demons again taking it to a Tigers team that really needs help and needs it quickly. Swans 109, Hawks 68. Uh, the Swannies seem to be getting stronger with every hit out, with every performance. I don't see that slowing down. Um, and I think that they are a true flag contender. Magpie's 93, Anzac Day Tussle. Magpie's 93, Bomber's 82, Pies win, and Peroxide's in. I'll let you guys figure out what that means. Well, I'll give you that's long enough for you to figure it out because I, a new star has risen and he comes out of the ashes of the downed bomber that is Essendon. And stands ab- above that wreckage. Jack Ginnivan, This guy coming out on the scene. Kicking five goals. And winning the Anzac medal. A performance that I think... I think it's because he just felt really a lot more free. Now that he cut off a lot of that lettuce. Uh, he might have killed all of his lettuce now by peroxide blonding his hair like that. But... Anytime you can win by 11 in a match that's that key, that important to both clubs on such a a beautiful day as Anzac Day, that tells me everything. And once again, uh, Collingwood seems to have found themselves a new gun, uh, a young guy that can maybe make the negotiations with uh, Jordan Goey go in their favor a little bit uh, because they now have a guy that possibly can you know, be somebody they ride out the next five to seven years with for being a special, special player. But one thing we can say is no matter if he's never special again, Anzac Day was his day. And congratulations to Jack on putting together a masterful performance. Now the power. The Port Adelaide power. Can they be even more can there be a more grateful team than Port Adelaide that when they looked at their schedule after starting 0 5, they saw that the West Coast Eagles was the next team up. Because what the West Coast Eagles provided the Port Adelaide power was the punching bag that they needed to take out their frustrations on the 0-5 start to the season. And behind five goals by Felacin and Marshall, they thumped. And let me see if I can say that again. Thumped the West Coast Eagles and continuing a dreadful start to the season by West Coast. It it um, it kind of, kind of boggles my mind how bad West Coast is right now. But they are bad. Because they lost by 84 points. And when you lose by 84 points to a team, and you've shown before that this isn't a fluke thing, that you can watch these previous performances and they've looked that bad, this isn't a fluke. And this isn't a fluke. They're bad. And they're getting worse. Travis Boke again continued to show that uh, he may be Methuselah. Again, he had uh, 34 disposals and just uh, he just glides around the field. Bokey is just one of those special players, a player that will go down as an all-time great for Port Adelaide. And who knows? Maybe the greatest player ever for Port Adelaide. But the, the real question to me exiting this game is this victory over West Coast. Does Port Adelaide have enough in them to pull them out of their 1-5 in start to the season? Do they have that in them? Because I'm going to tell you something. It's not going to get any easier for them. They're going to have to show out. They're going to have to play a little bit above their heads. I think we always thought they had the potential. But... They're not going to be able to sit back on the laurels and wait because they have St. Kilda this coming round. And St. Kilda is not going to give them any mercy, so they're going to have to go and win that game. So it'll be interesting to see if one victory can really, how should I say, plug in the power. You like that? That's for you, shitheads. Well, we try to stay positive, but... Life is a roller coaster, and here comes the downward swing of this roller coaster because it looks like it's just a matter of time now for GWS skipper, coach, whatever you want to say, Leon Cameron. I think the writing's on the wall, Shedheads. I think that he is a dead man walking. I think he's already halfway out on that plank, uh, and I don't think it's looking good for him as he stands out there. Ooh, that ooh, that, that plank is ooh, it looks unsteady. And the reason I say that is... Toby Green comes back. again, we know that not one player can just galvanize and make your entire team unstoppable, but even with Toby Green being back, uh, they still cannot get over the top. Uh, and the problem that that Leon Cameron's got is GWS has started the season one and five and he's on the final year of his contract. That's not good. And it's not good when you have coaches like Alistair Clarkson sitting off there not coaching a club right now. You don't think that any of these general managers and and boardrooms aren't talking about Clarko sitting out there. And could he come in and make a difference for their club? All of them are. And if you don't believe that, you're crazy. So I don't know. Will they make a a call halfway through the season and maybe bring up Hurt and and, and, and bring the the, the whack, the ax to him? But I do think that we are seeing the final days of Liam Cameron as the skipper for for GWS. Now, I told you it's a rollercoaster, Shedheads. I want to go back up now. We're climbing, 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 climbing. Because in the good news, feel good moment of the week for me was when word hit that Dustin Martin is back at Punt Road and is back training with the Tigers. He's back from his extended leave. I don't know if anybody will know, Dusty's never been the most fond of the camera, but I do think it is important to know that Dustin Martin feels well enough to get back with his teammates and to get back into the sport that he loves. The question is, where does he find that fire? We had this talk on this, on this show a, a few episodes ago when Dusty made that, that, that decision to step away about how tough it can be to motivate yourself and oneself. When they might have been playing the game to honor a parent. Um, And I just hope Dusty's found it. I hope we still see some incredible football for the next few years from Dusty. But this is going to be up to Dustin Martin. But one thing we can say is we're just happy to see him back in the yellow and black. Even though we have no timetable for his return. Now let's go to these matches for round 7. Let's see if we can... I'm predicting that your Shed Adamas is going to go 6 to se- 6 or 7 for 9 this week. So here we go. Tigers versus the Eagles starting it off on Friday. I've got the Tigers over the, the over the the flapless flyless Eagles. Dockers versus the Cats. I've got the Cats. Giants versus the Crows. I'm going to take the Adelaide Crows over the GWS Giants. Saturday, Hawks versus the Demons. My upset pick of the round, I'm taking the Hawks stunning the D's at the MCG. Power versus the Saints. I'm going with St. Kilda over the Power. Uh, I just think that the St. Kilda's playing the better footy right now. Ruse versus the Blues. I think the Blues bounce back. And what better team to bounce back against, but the Ruse. Suns versus the Magpies. Well, you gotta go with the team with the new with the new gun. And with Jack playing that way, I'm going Magpies. Sunday, Bombers versus the Dogs. I'm taking the doggies over the dons. And then Lions versus the Swans. The match of the round. I don't care if you've got it. You find a way. Get that thing fired up on the TV. Because this is two heavyweights going toe to toe. But I'm taking the Swannies to take down the Lions. Now as we go into the guns for the week. My number one gun doesn't need anything but one name. He's like Pele. But Talakai is my guy. And he's my number one gun for the Cronulla Sharks. Probably playing the best first half of footy I have ever seen. And I am not the only one who said that. Because these stats are pretty much first half stats. Two tries, 262 running meters, two line breaks, two line break assists, three try assists, eight tackle breaks, eight, eight tackles made, and 20 kicking meters. And one, this, this, I don't even know what to call him, this freak of an individual doing one of the best banana kicks that I've seen to assist in a try. The best half of football I've ever seen by a player. This guy is a freak. Cronulla, you're in trouble because I don't know what you're going to do to keep him. But you better start looking now and be taking out some loans. Number two, the number two gun, Jack Ginnivan. We're giving it to you after that Anzac Day performance. Five goals, 12 disposals, 11 kicks, one handball, five marks, one tackle, 355 meters gain to win and bring home that Anzac medal. And then finally, my number three gun. I don't know why we don't just always put him as an asterisk. Ryan Pappenhausen, the Ferrari. Pappy. Pappy. Two tries, five for eight on conversions, two penalty goals, 158 running meters, two line breaks, one line break assist, three try assists, three tackle breaks, two tackles made, 31 kicking meters, and your winner of the Spirit of Anzac Medal. I don't think he can. I'm almost, I'm almost winded after reading those stats from Pappenhausen. But the guy only seems to be getting better. And the sad thing for for Pappy is the only reason he's not already the Blues fullback is because of one guy, James Tedesco. And I don't know if he's going to unseat Teddy, but by God, he's right there. And I think for sure you can already give him that number 14 jersey for the Blues. Now, as we go to outside the bubble, there's only one place we can start. And that is the NFL Draft is kicking off in a matter of hours. Less than 24 now. Less than 24. The the, the NFL Football Draft, which has now become almost a holiday over here in the divided states. And it looks like the number one pick is either going to be Aiden Hutchinson of Michigan or Travon Walker of Georgia. And either one of those guys is going to probably change uh, the defense for. That hapless team in Jacksonville, but whoever they get, we can say this for a fact: he's going to be a a guy that's going to change the defense and and give them a little bit of a little bit of nasty. And I think Jacksonville has been missing a little bit of nasty, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with that pick. The two top quarterbacks in this draft, you're going to have to say are Malik Willis out of Liberty and Kenny Pickett out of out of Pitt. I love to say Pitt. They tried to go as Pittsburgh for a while. You're Pitt. That's what you're gonna be. That's what you've always been. You're Pitt. So it'll be interesting where those guys see. I know that Malik has really risen up. They were gonna. They were saying he was a late first round, maybe early second round pick, and now he's probably gonna be the first quarterback off the board and in the top ten. So the funny thing about the NFL draft is you get to see men's lives change forever with these contracts and the money they're gonna sign, the endorsement deals, and. It it is a real, real crazy thing to watch. It's a fun thing to watch. Everybody goes into it thinking they're gonna get the greatest pick, and every guy that gets drafted in New York gets booed. So it is its own theatrical event. Um, so if you get a chance, watch some of the draft. Uh, they've now turned it in, you know, 32 picks into three hours and change. Um, but it will be it'll be an event. Be interesting to see where these guys go, and I and that's the fun thing for me. Well, I don't know if you guys want to say it with me, but I'm going to do it. And if you don't want to join me, I don't care because I'm driving this bus. Not Charles Barkley. I'm driving this bus. But I'm going to start off right now. One, two, three. Cancun. And I love it so much that the preseason favorite in the NBA, the Brooklyn Nets, are already Ooh, ooh, that feels so good getting a little sand between their toes walking on the beaches of Cancun because their season is over. And now the great KD can just send hateful texts and tweets uh, complaining to everybody, uh, picking on Charles Barkley. Don't pick on your elders. But the great thing to me is a team that everyone said was unstoppable. They couldn't be beat. They bring in that uh, that. I know, don't get mad at me, Australia. They bring in Ben Simmons, who to me shows me about as much heart as a cucumber. You can't win. You've got to be a team. Kyrie didn't play half the games because he was standing for something I don't know what the heck he was standing for. But you know what he stood for? Cancun. That's what Kyrie stood for, Cancun. So the Brooklyn Nets, we'll see you next year. I don't know how your team's going to look. Some people are already drawing pictures of of KD with, with a Celtics jersey on now. Because he's not winning anything without being put on a good team. Ask the Golden State Warriors. So, I just know, Brooklyn, it's baseball season. That's all I can tell you right now. It's baseball season, Brooklyn. Shedheads, with that beautiful banter about the end of the Brooklyn Nets season, that brings to a close this episode of Outside the Sheds. I hope you guys have an incredible weekend. We've got some key matches in both the NRL, AFL that we can be excited about. I cannot tell you how excited I am about uh, the the Swans and the Lions. Uh, and We just got some great matches. And if you have a chance to flip back and forth, that match is going on, I think, at the exact same time as the Tigers and the Dragons. So we're just set, Shedheads. We are Shed. We are Shed. How does that mean? Set. How about we say that? We are set for this coming week. But uh, until next week, stay out of trouble. Don't get caught. This is Outside the Sheds. I am your host, Corey Jackson. Until that time, see ya. And that was another fantastic episode of Outside the Sheds with Corey Jackson talking all things NRL, AFL, and all things sports. So please remember to smash the subscribe button and share this with your family and friends and show them what Australian sport is all about.